Good Thursday. This is Ozarks at Large for April 21st, 2022 on your public radio station, KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. I'm Kyle Kellams. And I'm Timothy Dennis. We're exploring several different worlds this hour. Theater Squared explores pro wrestling, as well as racism, sexism, and other ills, in the elaborate entrance of Chad Deity. And we're going to travel all over the musical horizon with our Thursday capsule of live music for the next several days. We begin this Thursday with Earth Medicines. That's the title of a book about food, ancestry, and healing written by Felicia Cocosine Ruiz. She'll be at the Museum of Native American History this weekend as part of Mona's observation of Earth Day. We reached her yesterday and talked about her book and about Earth Day. She says every day should be Earth Day. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, you know, many people around the world will say things like Mother Earth. And I think every mother likes being given a card or flowers on Mother's Day. But at the end of the day, we're mothers every single day. (laughs) The subtitle of Felicia's book, Earth Medicines, is Ancestral Wisdom, Healing Recipes, and Wellness Rituals from a Curandera. Traditional healer. So it's um, like if you just look at it and take it apart, like to cure, Curandera. Her friends affectionately called her the kitchen curandera, and she has embraced that title. In her book, she offers natural recipes to help with wellness. I really think of it as indigenous wisdom, indigenous knowledge, which is working with all of the elements. And I would say today people talk about holistic wellness, and that's really what it's all based on. The recipes she shares and puts together in her kitchen in Arizona are based on oral tradition and teaching. For me, it was really natural to um, begin each entry of, of, you know, the recipe or the ritual, whatever I was sharing, with a personal story, because I think it helps bring it to life versus just say, you know, put this in in a pot and cook it and take this. It was more about how did I come up with this recipe and why and how has it perhaps been used in my own family. It just really gave it a little bit more personality and felt really natural to me. Earth Medicines is divided into four sections, water, air, earth, and fire. Recipes in each category are connected to those basic elements. And she says each recipe for eating, for drinking, for beauty, or herbal recipes connected to an oral tradition that dates back centuries. And that's the same for people in other kitchens, too. I'm very outspoken in all of my work, saying that this is how I was taught. And I recognize that every family unit and every community and every tradition might have a way of doing different, you know, similar things, but different. And I use the example of, um, you know, perhaps making just a sandwich. We could all have the exact same ingredients, but every family might make it a different way. And that doesn't mean that it's a wrong way or a right way. It just means it's a different way. And so I think it makes people realize that their family way of healing, um, whatever those chicken soup recipes are, whatever they were preparing to um, help someone heal in the home was just the way that their family did it. And to me, that is the most important ingredient is that you're remembering your ancestors, you're remembering specific foods or herbal remedies, and you are putting your own um, essence, in in fact, into the um, preparation. Felicia will be at the Museum of Native American History this weekend to discuss her book and the importance of taking time to honor what the earth produces and how those spices, herbs, and plants can help us feel better. She says she sees interest continuing to grow regarding healing properties of spices and herbs. Much like the slow food ideal that started to grow some time ago, she thinks a broader concept is becoming a goal for more people now. Almost like a slow living, you know, time um, come into motion. And I think that it's so important because we need to stop and, and reflect and slow down and realize that the way we've been doing things the past, let's say, 40 or 50 years, or perhaps even more, is not really working for people's um, stress levels and their wellness, their their overall well-being. And just taking time to slow down, um, however that looks for you, um, it's going to look different for everyone, just helps us be more grounded um, with nature. Her book not only shares recipes and stories, but offers suggestions for kitchen implements. 
So I'm very privileged that I have my great grandmother's mortar and pestle, and I only use that for specific recipes. And I have other ones made of wood, ones made of like volcanic stone. I have little olive wood ones. I I have a slight obsession with them, and I enjoy using them specifically for certain ingredients, so that perhaps my spices don't taste like garlic and the other way around. Felicia Cocosine Ruiz is the author of Earth Medicines. She'll be at the Museum of Native American History in Bentonville Saturday afternoon. She'll sign books afterward, and you can register for the event by following links at mona.org. Seating is limited for her talk. You can find out more about the book at kitchencurrendero.com. Also there, a few recipes like the Seven Blossoms Tea suggested for relieving stress and insomnia. A very traditional tea, um, it's always made with um, a few of those blossoms are usually like the foundation, but depending where you live, there might be different blossoms in there. But seven seems to be like the magic number for this type of tea, and it really is quite fragrant. It really does help lull you to sleep, and it's one of my favorites. That's why I included it on my webpage. We spoke yesterday by phone. This is Ozarks at Large. Walton Arts Center extends their thanks and appreciation to the dedicated and generous group of volunteers who commit their time, talents, and resources to helping present the arts in our community. New volunteers are invited to join the team. waltonartscenter.org slash volunteer for more information. The search is on for the next chancellor at the University of Arkansas. The process officially begins with the creation of a search website. The search committee is made up of faculty, staff, alumni, and supporters of the university. That committee has been conducting regular meetings since February. Interim Chancellor Charles Robinson has been in that position since August of last year, following the resignation of former Chancellor Joe Steinmetz. The Cherokee Nation is taking two steps to protect culturally significant plants. The nation announced yesterday it is preserving nearly 1,000 acres of land inside the reservation that marks the land as protected under the Cherokee Nation Park Wildlands Fishing and Hunting Preserve Act. The nation also signed a separate agreement with the National Park Service to allow Cherokee citizens to gather plants within the Buffalo National River Park for traditional use. Arkansas medical marijuana sales for March are down slightly, according to the Arkansas Department of Finance and Administration. Sales last month totaled just more than $24 million, a decrease of just under 1%. All 38 licensed dispensaries are now in operation across the state. The last one, Good Day Farm, began operation in Van Buren last month. Talk Business and Politics reports since the first legal sales of medical marijuana in May 2019, more than 84,000 pounds have been sold to patients across the state. I'm Paul Gatling, and this is the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Well, it's not exactly Woodstock, and it's not Lollapalooza, but there is a major tourism event planned this fall for a 250-acre site just outside downtown Bentonville. It is a music and arts festival called Format, and organizers announced details earlier this week, and it's one of our most popular stories at nwabusinessjournal.com. Format is an acronym meaning for Music, Arts, and Technology, M-A-T. It's a 72-hour event, day and night, September 23rd through the 25th, that will be a mixture of established headliners experimental sounds, emerging talent, and world music. The site is the Sugar Creek Airstrip on Price Coffee Road. The property is privately owned by a Walton affiliate, and it's all being presented with Bentonville Partners Oz Brands, Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art, and The Momentary. Tickets go on sale starting tomorrow, and organizers say they expect to sell between 10 and 15,000. One of those organizers, by the way, is C3 Presents of Austin, Texas, and they are the driving force behind two of the country's top music festivals, the Austin City Limits Music Festival and Lollapalooza. There's more info on this event at format-festival.com, and you can head over to our website for a story with more details, and that's at nwabusinessjournal.com. There's more news after the break on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. 
The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com. First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security, member FDIC, equal housing lender. The new CEO and executive director of the Winthrop Rockefeller Institute said the Arkansas nonprofit that sits on top of Petty Jean Mountain is ready to take its mission further in the wake of COVID-19. The Institute's mission is to convene groups and solve problems. And Janet Harris said the nonprofit is ready to get back on track with its long-term strategic plan. Here's a recent conversation between Harris and Talk Business and Politics Editor-in-Chief Roby Brock. For those who do not know, what all does the Winthrop Rockefeller Institute do? And uh, tell me kind of how its mission has transformed over the years. So uh, the Institute is a nonprofit conference and retreat center. We're located on Petty Jean Mountain on the former home and cattle ranch of Governor Winthrop Rockefeller. You know, Governor Rockefeller spent 20 years on top of Petty Jean Mountain convening people and uh, groups of good thinkers and citizens and folks that wanted to make a difference uh, in Arkansas. And so we continue to practice that legacy today by convening and encouraging collaborative problem solving here. And so we call that the Rockefeller ethic. And uh, that's the work that we do every day. Maybe give folks a little bit of an example of um, s- some group that you've worked with and kind of how there's been an outcome of a, a solution to a problem. Sure, sure. So a few years ago, we convened what was known as the Rural Health Summit of Arkansas. This was a group of practitioners, medical school students, um, nurses, doctors, teachers, everyone in the um, uh, field of rural health care coming together to say, what can we do to really try to improve the delivery of healthcare to rural Arkansas? And so uh, over the course of a couple of years, they put together some plans to um, increase things like residencies for medical school students in rural areas um, to, you know, just to help uh, support community health workers in rural Arkansas. And most importantly, out of that collaborative that we worked with was born the Rural Health Association of Arkansas, which is now an advocacy group uh, that works to get more resources into to rural areas. You've answered this question, but I'm going to ask the question more bluntly so you'll give me an even more straightforward answer. Why is Winthrop Rockefeller still relevant today? For Winthrop Rockefeller to have taught us that we have a responsibility to be thoughtfully concerned, to come together and try to connect with each other across divides and to work towards consensus, I think we need that now more than maybe we've ever needed it before. And so it's an honor for us to be able to do that work with our own programs and with conference groups that uh, that come and convene here on the mountain with us. I'll ask you a little bit of a personal question here about Winthrop Rockefeller, your relationship with him. You obviously did not know him, but you have been there for a number of years. You learn something new about Winthrop Rockefeller almost every day, if at least not every day, every week. From where you started when you came into this role um, in the uh, deputy position here, tell me what you've learned that has surprised you about Winthrop Rockefeller. Yeah, so I was uh, kind of a student of Arkansas history even before coming to work on the mountain about seven years ago. I knew quite a bit about Winthrop Rockefeller's legacy as a transformational governor and his impact on Arkansas as my home state. So, you know, I'd always heard the, the stories. What I didn't know about him was his life in New York growing up as a Rockefeller, the way that he had this deep, deep love and concern for humanity and how he just enjoyed enjoyed working with his hands and being outdoors. Uh, He enjoyed building relationships with people. Um, And he took a little bit of a different path than the rest of his family. So getting to know him as a person, a young person, through his own writing and through now, um, you know, books, uh, a new book that's come out about him by Dr. John Kirk at uh, 
the University of Arkansas Little Rock. There, this is all about his life before he came to Arkansas, what kind of a leader he was, and all the, the values and experiences that shaped him. Um, and so he's he's an extraordinary person with an extraordinary story, but he's also he was also an ordinary guy and with you know human um uh aspirations and interests and values and failings like the rest of us. And there's just a lot to learn from his own reflective leadership journey, I think. Yeah, I'm looking forward to reading that book by uh, Dr. Kirk there. Um, where will you be taking the Winthrop Rockefeller Institute as its new CEO and executive director? Well, you know, we are, because we are a convener and because we care about collaboration and we practice it every day, we practiced collaboration in writing a strategic plan a couple of years ago uh, for the future of the Institute as we brought together partners, employees, um, donors, uh, stakeholders that we had worked with at the Institute and um, people within the University of Arkansas system and just said, how can we use the Rockefeller ethic to improve Arkansas and how can we become really a more impactful organization. And so by putting together that strategic plan, you know, we now have a really solid roadmap to lean into Winthrop Rockefeller's legacy and to the Rockefeller ethic. We had to put that on pause a little bit during COVID. Um, and so now that we're coming out of that and kind of able to resume normal operations, first couple of years is going to be really leaning into accomplishing some of those partnerships and objectives that we outlined in the strategic plan. Uh, but my, my goal is to not only practice the Rockefeller ethic here on the mountain and support groups who do that, but for us to be able to teach other people how to have, you know, these purposeful and productive convenings where we can get work done even across silos, even across divides. Janet Harris has worked at the Winthrop Rockefeller Institute in various roles since 2016, most recently as Chief Strategy Officer. She was appointed to replace Marta Lloyd, who retired March 31st. You can watch that entire interview with Harris and Roby Brock on our sister website at talkbusiness.net. In other news this week, officials at Northwest Arkansas National Airport approved purchasing 38 acres southeast of the terminal for $865,000. That land is located along the path of a planned second runway. J.B. Hunt reported first quarter earnings Monday of $243.3 million, a 68% increase from the same period of 2021. Revenue rose by more than 33% to $3.4 billion. And Arkansas medical marijuana sales totaled just over $24 million in March based on sales tax revenue, the Arkansas Department of Health reports 81,901 active patient cards. For more on these stories and others, visit us at nwabusinessjournal.com and our sister website, talkbusiness.net, where you can follow our reporting each and every day. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. It's Thursday. It's time to go over a schedule of live music, Timothy. There's a lot happening this weekend. Let's start with tomorrow night. JJ's Live has another national touring act on their stage this week. This week, they're featuring The Revivalists. Also on that bill is Maggie Rose. Tickets start at $49.50. That gets underway at 7.30 tomorrow night. Again, that's at JJ's Live in North Fayetteville. Okay. Happening in downtown Fayetteville tomorrow night, Pearl's Books is going to have kind of an alternative folk show featuring Jude Brothers, a local alternative folk artist, McCain Lakey, who's an Americana artist from Mountain View, and Creek Bed Carter Hogan is an artist from Austin. Kiss me once for living, kiss me twice for dead. Kiss me in my shroud and kiss me with your lion breath. Kiss me once for living, kiss me twice for dead. Kiss me in my shroud and kiss me with lips innocent. And that's tomorrow night. That's tomorrow night. Tickets are $15 at the door or on Eventbrite. And that'll get underway at 7 o'clock tomorrow night again at Pearl's Books in downtown Fayetteville. Awesome. Happening up in Bentonville, Bike Rack Brewing Company is going to have the next in their 
Patio Concert Series. This week, they're featuring Justin Logan, who is an Oklahoma-based artist and multi-instrumentalist. He mixes rock, pop, and electronic styles and textures. Okay. You got better ways to pay your bills, don't you, honey? Put up a little fight. Hey, I'm trying to get better, but I might just bust a little off. Let her talk dirty to me. That show is a free show. It gets underway at 7 o'clock tomorrow night on the patio at Bike Rack Brewing in Bentonville. Oh, I'm so happy we're having things on patios. It's that time of the year and it feels so good. Yes. Speaking of outdoor music, the Walmart Amp in Rogers is having a big bill Friday night. Nathaniel Ratliff and the Night Sweats. seen them before and they are fantastic that seems like it would be a good show also on that bill is robert earl Keane. well we know about that i mean that's gonna be a great show yeah yeah tickets for that show start at 35 dollars. that gets underway at seven o'clock tomorrow night again at the walmart amp in rogers happening over in Salem springs tomorrow night creekside tap room is going to have the blues stylings of jeff horton on their stage mm-hmm. stop crying baby All about the way you've been treating me. Well, it's cold. That show gets underway at 7 o'clock tomorrow night again, Creekside Tap Room in Siloam Springs. Also happening Friday night over in Eureka Springs, the Ozark Mountain Daredevils are going to be at the auditorium. I never read it in a book, I never saw it on a show. Black Oak, Arkansas. Yeah. Tickets start at $49. That show gets underway at 7.30 tomorrow night, again at the Auditorium in Eureka Springs. Chelsea's is going to have the one-ounce jig on stage. Always a fun show. Always a fun, funky show. Yeah. Cover for that show is $5 at the door. That gets underway at 9 o'clock tomorrow night at Chelsea's in Eureka Springs. We're still on tomorrow night? We're still on tomorrow night. Okay. Down in Fort Smith tomorrow night, Temple Live is going to have kind of a jammy show featuring the Halfway Crooks and Forgotten Space. Tickets are $28. That gets underway at 8 o'clock tomorrow night, again at Temple Live in Fort Smith. Okay, now we jump ahead to Saturday. Okay. George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville Saturday night is going to have Bad Flower on stage. Bad Flower. They're an L.A.-based rock band. They're on their This Is How the World Continues tour. I want the world to continue. (laughs) Me too. I'm all for that. Tickets are $20 in advance. They go up to $23 on Saturday. That show will get underway at 8.30 Saturday evening again at George's in Fayetteville. Still in downtown Fayetteville Saturday night, Smoke and Barrel Tavern is going to have a hard rock show featuring Recognizer and Witch Sister. Cover for that show is $8. That gets underway at around 9.30 Saturday evening at Smoke and Barrel in Fayetteville. Still in downtown Fayetteville Saturday, Prairie Street Live, they're having what they're calling Doomsday at Prairie Street Live. It's a metal fest featuring at least seven different bands, including Infall, Miss Misery, Gala Walker, The Black Mariah, Vore, Spare the Dead, and Mudlong. So... One venue is having This Is How the World Continues. The other one is having Doomsday. Pick your 
Yeah, pick your attitude. Yeah, it's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure, if right. you will. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Tickets for that metal festival are $20 in advance. They go up to $25 on Saturday, and it gets underway at about 4 o'clock Saturday afternoon, again at Prairie Street Live and kind of mm, downtown-ish Fayetteville. Yeah. I also like a 4 o'clock Saturday start. You know that. Well, it goes until late. Well, Because, I mean, with seven to... bands, I yes. mean, it's going to go late. Yes. Happening over in Eureka Springs Saturday evening, Chelsea's is going to have the Stylies on stage. I, I don't know of the Stylies. Uh, they're kind of a rock and roll band. Okay, I like the name. The cover for that show is $5. Gets underway at 9 o'clock Saturday, again at Chelsea's in Eureka Springs. Happening over in Eureka Springs Saturday evening, Sarah Lothan is going to be on stage at Got a Hold Brewing. Mm-hmm. Great local singer-songwriter. Yep. Yep. That show gets underway at 5 o'clock Saturday at Got a Hold Brewing in Eureka Springs. And then down in Winslow Saturday evening, Ozark Folkways is going to have a concert by Buddy Shoot and Mark McGee. How I could explode and be on the evening news. All I need is something to light my fuse. How I feel it pulling me down. And I love those guys. They're great. That EP they came out with a few months back, oh, it's pretty incredible. It really is. Tickets for that are $10. That'll get underway at 6 o'clock Saturday evening again at Ozark Folkways in Winslow. And then Sunday afternoon, evening, whatever you want to call it, Kingfish is going to have the Chicago Funk and Soul Act Sneezy on their outside stage. I like this. Me and the Sneezy boys make it look easy. We chasing the killer shots with margaritas. My vision is blurry, but she in a hurry. She asked me, you ready? Are you around? Are you in town? That's what I'm sorry. You had a commitment, girl. Are you still with her? You know that I am. That is a free show and gets underway at 5 o'clock Sunday afternoon, evening-ish at Kingfish in Fayetteville. And for as many things as we mentioned, that's not everything, and we realize no. that. We don't have time. And But we will have a more complete list at our website, Ozarks at Large. And while you're there, you can find a playlist that we're starting to curate. I love this. Of music happening throughout the region throughout the coming week. All right. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. KUAF is supported by Hendricks College in Conway, home of Life Launch, a new one-week residential summer program for rising high school juniors and seniors to explore career planning and experience college life. Now accepting applications for its inaugural session, which begins June 2022. More information is available at hendrix.edu slash life launch. A bit more music to talk about and a bit more music on tomorrow's edition of Ozarks at Large. Earlier this week, I sat down with Cody Nielsen from the band Moonsong to talk about their forthcoming album, Eternum. We'll hear the bulk of that conversation and a performance from Cody on tomorrow's show, but during our chat, he touched on his new job as the audio engineer at Fayetteville Public Library. He says there's quite a lot of live music coming up this weekend at the library, starting with tonight. Yeah, and we're just now getting into doing some live music for the first time since I started there, which I'm really excited about. And we're starting off on Thursday with a show that's actually sponsored by KUAF mm-hmm. with Paul Kelso doing a little generic blue show sponsored show at the library with uh, Brickfields and Donna Harula. So that's going to be mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Uh, and then after that, the University of Arkansas is doing a little mini jazz festival Friday and Saturday, which is going to feature a lot of the high school jazz bands as well as some special featured university bands as well. Well, as I think we have like a professional jazz band coming in to be the special feature on Saturday. And then Sunday, we've got a Roots Festival concert. The Steel Wheels are going to come in. Yes, which we've awesome. had them on Ozarks a couple of times. They're always amazing. I'm, I'm really excited to, to see them. I, I've been listening to them for the last couple of weeks, and I've really enjoyed it. I make my bed on the ground. I feel lonely. Lonely for my home When the night gets so cold And the moon drips down low I feel lonely For the home I've never known And the starlight is shining so bright in the sky Darling 
That's the Steel Wheels performing live on Ozarks at Large in 2015. They'll perform at 7.30 Sunday evening in Fayetteville Public Library's Event Center. You can find tickets and more information about the show at FayettevilleRoots.org. And you can hear more from my conversation with Cody Nielsen tomorrow on Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 p.m. on KUAF 91.3 FM or on your schedule when you subscribe to the Ozarks at Large podcast. And this is... Ozarks at Large. This past year, Theater Squared has taken us to the Lorraine Motel the night before Dr. King was murdered, to China and back in Tiger style, into the Sugar Baker Studios in the rebirth of Designing Women, and now into a professional wrestling ring. The elaborate entrance of Chad Deity, a Pulitzer Prize-nominated script, uses the no-holds-barred realm of pro wrestling to investigate how we see each other and ourselves. This week, two actors from the production came to the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio. Cedric Labor Jr. is an up-and-coming wrestler in the show, and Vincent Tennity is the CEO of the wrestling group. He also is the wrestling ring announcer. I asked them if they had ever been fans of the spectacle of pro wrestling. Vincent answered first. Uh, I, I did. Um, I, I And then my friends and I would go out in our front yards. I grew up in Southern California, and uh, I was of the WWF uh, and all that, and we would then perform our own wrestling matches out in the yard. Uh, I was a big Ultimate Warrior fan, but it was during the Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Million Dollar Man, Andre the Giant. I mean, you name it. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely did. Yeah, and I grew up in Puerto Rico, and um, so we were exposed to a lot of lucha libre, and um, and you know, growing up in the '80s, of course, Hulk Hogan, that whole era was uh, was really uh, impactful and um, something that excited us young kids for sure. So you know, pro wrestling is bigger than life, and um, it's it's very physical. There's an art. What sort of physical training? To get to that in front of us in the audience, did you have to go through for this production? Yeah, so our first weekend, we worked uh, exclusively with Xander Gold, who's in our cast. He plays the bad guy, but he also was our trainer. He he showed us the ropes, and we spent, uh, I believe, around four days learning how to bump, how to fall, um, the physicality, the the language. Um, and yeah, and, and all of us, including uh, Vince, EKO, uh, he also... Uh, I jumped learned in. some moves. Yeah, he jumped in, and um, yeah, we really um, learned the language not only um, physically but mentally, uh, emotionally. Yeah, these guys, um, Sean, Cedric, Xander, uh, Rashir, they took they took the majority of the abuse. I I threw myself down, tried to take a bump. <laughs> Whiplash, <laughs> saw some stars, and I was like, "Okay, I'm going to watch from out here, and I'm going to support you guys as much as I can." Yeah. Of course, one thing I remember about watching wrestling is that there was this sort of shorthand, this cultural shorthand that was often used that as a child I didn't realize I was seeing, but these reinforced stereotypes. The African-American wrestlers always had hard heads. Um, the, the Southern wrestlers were rednecks. I mean, it was not nuanced, and it probably took me a while to get past those stereotypes, hopefully I've gotten past them, that plays part of what we see on stage, doesn't it? Absolutely. No, you go ahead. No, yeah, I mean, it does. I think that the show um, really um, gives honor to the craft of wrestling, and and Christopher Diaz did a great job of honoring the greats and um, really showcasing what people love about wrestling, but then he's also... um, really focusing on the stereotypes and the microaggressions that mainly wrestlers of color or wrestlers from marginalized communities, what they experience um, in that world. And um, and it's really heartbreaking. It really is. And I think it's for the audience, it's kind of like a, a moment of, of wow, I, I didn't realize this. You know, I think um, he really does a good job of of going there and and having you experience what it's like to to be in the shoes of Macedonio Guerra, to be in the shoes of of Chad Deity, of of Vigneshwar Padwar. So um, it's it's really eye opening and um, like I said, really heartfelt uh, going through the journey of these characters who, on a day to day basis, experience forms of racism or. or um, kind of down low racism or um, not um, 
racism that that's in your face, but but like yeah, microaggressions. Shady. Shady. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as uh, as my character is concerned, uh, I I did all the research I possibly could do into Vince McMahon, and that's who the character is loosely based around, and uh, trying to get into his head as far as where he comes from and why he comes up with these ideas. And <clears throat> the best I could come up with is that if it ain't broke, why fix it? I'm making money off of it. People are still attending and my attendance is growing. So why would I change? And that is an unfortunate part about Vince McMahon. Um, that I've I've witnessed and I and which is why I stopped watching wrestling many many years ago. I was like I just could not take it. Yeah, I mean the shorthand is Iron Sheik. We're going to make him from the Middle East, so obviously he's a terrorist. End of story. Right. Bad guy. Yep. And it's 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 simple and yeah. it's and it was normalized for so long, for so long, and we were all okay with it. And I think especially after this moment that we've had with the pandemic and Black Lives Matter and just an awakening that this nation is having and this empowerment that people of color, marginalized groups are having, I I think that, I think we're in this place now of of no more. Like, we we can't deal, we can't put up with these microaggressions, this, um, these forms of, 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 hush-hush racism or hush-hush microaggressions that we have to experience on a day-to-day basis. Like, this is our time now to to expose uh, these awful negative things that we've experienced for our whole lives but weren't didn't have the courage to to um, speak on. And, um, and he wrote this maybe it's like 10, 15 years ago, and it's still so important today. I mean, things that people are still going through. And um, that's why it's it's so great to, to to be in this world right now and to share this with this community. Yeah, I think he started writing it 2007. Yeah. It was first produced 2009. And we didn't even mention how wrestling treats women. Oh. I mean, that is a another yeah. whole. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, when I was growing up, it was they, they were managers and managers only. It was Macho Man and Elizabeth always on the side of the ring. Yeah. Um, and they're there to stand in scantily clad outfits and, and yeah. look pretty and don't do anything. So, Which the, I, I will give credit to the wrestling world that it has expanded upon that and there are more opportunities for women in wrestling than yeah. there used to be. Yeah, and, and I feel like they're doing a better job of desexualizing women. Um, I think there's all yep. types of women now in wrestling, which is beautiful, you know, which is a step forward. Your character... Grew up a wrestling fan. Yeah. Gets into wrestling. Yes. And then he has this role that in, in the wrestling circles is known as a jobber. In other words, you're out there to make the superstars look good and lose. And then uh, we don't want to give too much away. But he begins, he, he finds a partner and he begins to, to move up the mm-hmm. ranks. Yeah. And, um, and I think he, in the beginning, he was just so grateful to be there. Like he was one of the lucky ones. And, um, as people of color, we often are are kind of told to be grateful to be in these positions of 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 privilege and and not to make noise, not to complain. And I think that um, the character of Vignesh of Vignesh Padua comes in and kind of kind of bursts his bubble and makes him realize, hey, this 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 these experiences that I'm having are not right, or these these. Um, moments of, of, of stereotypes and, and racism that I'm experiencing is not right and I need to say something. And, and I think that um, he gets the courage to, to kind of uh, face it, you know, um, in a way that maybe he didn't really think that it would happen. Um, and it's, it's a great journey to go on, um, especially because he is such a fan in the beginning. He loves it so much and he loves it so much that he's able to ignore things that he knows aren't right, but he's like, I'm here and I should just be grateful. And, and this, again, this character comes in and says, no, like, what, what, what does this message, message say to our people back home? And I think that's what breaks him. You know, what, what does this message, message say to the kids in the Bronx and in Brooklyn that you're, you're putting on an accent and then you're having to play into the stereotype that being you is not enough, that being you is not um, worth, uh, is not a value. And um, yeah, it's it's an it's an incredible journey to go on every night. I've always thought acting 
was a mystery. I think it's incredibly difficult. Then when you have to act and sing or dance, I think that heightens it. I can only imagine acting when you're also taking bumps, going off ropes. How do you, how do, you do that? <clears throat> I fortunately do not have to right. since my character does not uh, take any bumps or do any wrestling. Um, but... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this one over to Cedric because he's <laughs> he he sings, dances, and yeah. wrestles, and yeah, this is um my first regional play, de- like it's my regional play debut. I've, I'm a musical theater guy, I sing, act, and dance, and so yeah, this this was a complete challenge, a, a different experience for me because um, I had to build up my body and maybe my mental state to to be able to get hurt every night and and still act through that pain. And so it's kind of, uh, it actually helps my journey with the character. Um, And so, yeah, it's been a complete challenge to learn this wrestling world and language and physical language in in a very short amount of time. Uh, Xander, our trainer, was blown away with how quickly we learned it. And and I was telling him, yeah, I mean, that's the life of an actor. You have to, like, learn really quickly and and figure out the language. And so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a it brings new sets of, of challenges, mainly just having to do extra stretching in the day and, and working out. I have to work out every day before the show because I have to just uh, build up that strength to to endure those bumps, those falls in the show. And um, and again, yeah, the, the emotional journey my character has to go through in the show, um, it's it's a different way of, of preparing as, and also just having to speak for as much as I do in the show and, and just trying to have that energy throughout from the beginning to the end. That's also been a new experience for me. And having the breath, right? Yeah. I can't yeah. imagine. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's been, it's been um, definitely a, a new experience for me, and I, it's, I've grown as a, an actor and as a human because of it, and I'm so grateful to Theater Squared for giving me this opportunity, for sure. Pro wrestling, the audience is important. Theater, the audience is important. Those audiences always don't behave the same or have the same sort of role. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're we actually encourage uh, our audiences to get, you know, rowdy and uh, and participate. But when you come and see the play, you'll see you'll feel when it's when it's time to participate and when it's time not to. Um, but every night and as an actor, We'll walk backstage at intermission and we'll be like, well, this audience is like this. This audience is like this. And uh, we can tell by the laughter, by the reactions, whether or not they're listening, whether or not they're enjoying it and all that kind of stuff. And it just kind of sets a tone for how you go. And I'm I'm sure um, professional wrestlers feel the same way. And Xander always talked about this. As the wrestling match goes on, uh, he listens to the crowd's reaction to determine where he's going to take the wrestling match next. And if they if they like him, great, then now he'll do a little bit more. If they don't, he starts to take the bumps and, and lose. And then, you know, that and there it's all based on audience. Thank you both so of much course. for coming in. Thank of course, you. thank Appreciate you. It. Cedric Labor Jr. and Vincent Tennetti are two actors in the Theater Squared production of the elaborate entrance of Chad Deity, written by Christopher Diaz and directed by Dexter Singleton. The production runs through May 8th. You can find out more at theater2.org. Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. We open our segment today with one of the most representative pieces of the so-called classical music tradition, Ludwig van Beethoven's Sonata Quasi Una Fantasia, number 14 in C-sharp minor, opus 27, number 2, best known as the Moonlight Sonata. This piece was published in 1802. While the nickname Moonlight was given to it after Beethoven's death by a critic, the title 
quasi una fantasia, translates as evocative of a fantasy or in an improvisatory style. This piano piece became popular while Beethoven was still alive and has remained a favorite since. That was the beginning of the Adagio Sostenuto, first movement of Ludwig van Beethoven's Sonata Quasi Una Fantasia, best known as the Moonlight Sonata, interpreted by Ukrainian pianist Valentina Lisitsa. French composer Claude Debussy published his Suite Bergamasque in 1905. This is one of his most famous pieces of music. The piece was titled after a stanza from Paul Verlaine's poem Claire de Lune, Moonlight. Your soul is like a landscape fantasy where masks and bergamasks in charming wise strum, lutes and dance, just a bit sad to be hidden beneath their fanciful disguise. And the third movement, the most known movement of this piece, many times performed as a stand-alone work, Claire de Lune, takes a title from the poem itself. Let me expand your musical boundaries today with a passage of a jazz version of this beautiful piece by Debussy, arranged and produced by American jazz saxophonist Kamasi Washington and published in 2015.
We just listened to a version of Claude Debussy's Claire de Lune, Moonlight, by American jazz saxophonist Kamasi Washington. This beautiful and unusual take on Debussy's famous movement from Sweet Bergamasque is available on YouTube, and I invite you to look it up and soak up its magic. We close our Inspired by the Moon sound perimeter today with Astro Gilberto, Brazilian samba and bossa nova singer singing Fly Me to the Moon, a Bart Howard song written in 1954 and covered by many. This is a version from 1964. This is Lia Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with sound perimeter. Spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold my hand. In other words, darling, kiss me. Fill my heart with song and let me sing forevermore. You are all I long for. And adore In other words Please be true In other words I love you This is Ozarks at Large. More public meetings to discuss the proposal for an updated master plan for downtown Springdale are scheduled for May. Downtown Springdale Alliance will host meetings Wednesday and Thursday evening, May 18th and 19th. Both begin at 6.30 p.m. The Wednesday, May 18th session will be at 214 South Main, the former art center of the Ozarks, and the Thursday, May 19th session will be held at the Jones Center. The updated plan will guide downtown Springdale development for the next three to five years. Walton Arts Center's 10x10 Art Series presents the Mingus Big Band, Friday, April 29th. Celebrating one of the most important figures in 20th century American music, bassist, pianist, band leader, and composer Charles Mingus, whose legacy includes over 100 albums and over 300 compositions. WaltonArtsCenter.org or 443-5600 for tickets. This is your public radio station, 91.3 FM, KUAF Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Sand Point. Ozarks at Large is a production of KUAF. Timothy produced today's show and today's sound perimeter. Contributors included Leah Uribe and Paul Gatling. The Northwest Arkansas Business Journal is produced by Stephanie Brock. Our theme is written and performed by Daryl Sean. Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, I'll talk with musician Cody Nielsen, and he'll perform at the Mary Baker Rumsey Steinway Piano inside our Furman Garner performance studio. And I'll talk with Catherine Tucker, co-founder of the Arkansas Cinema Society, about an upcoming film development conference at Thaden School in Bentonville, hosted by the Society. That's tomorrow at noon and 7 p.m. and available through our free Ozarks at Large podcast. From the Carver Center for Public Radio in downtown Fayetteville, I'm Kyle Kellums. And I'm Timothy Dennis. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great Thursday.